0: just spoke and and said there's one thing to get the heart of God towards us but there's also the dynamic of how do we walk out these aspects of walking knowing God's heart for us, his love for us, his passion for us. How do we walk out of spaces of guilt and shame and also um, and dealing with those things in our everyday life. Because a lot of us can look wonderfully glowing on the outside and fabulous. But we're actually cringing cringing and feeling pain and guilt and hiding the fact that we are not safe. Or we have a boyfriend who is doing things with us that we don't like. And we don't know who to speak to about it. And how to get out of it, for example. And so, and so that was just like let's just have a few questions and um, and a little bit of opportunity to speak into the practical of it. And so, uh, Trish, before I ask, is there anything you want to say first? Yeah, no, I'm happy. Okay, so I'm going to ask Trish. Just how would you describe it when we are? from a psychological point of view, how we are when we are feeling <coughs> ashamed about something or shame. What does that look like?
1: Okay, so shame has a number of sort of faces, but very often um, it is experienced in quite of visceral ways, so like in your body, right? So it is experienced in your body, um, and we very often will feel it as a feeling of almost wanting to make ourselves smaller, right? So the way that it might look, for example, in a therapy room, would be someone who kind of makes himself as small as possible in the, in the chair with a pillow in front of them. So there's a very visceral belly-like feeling that people often describe when it comes to shame um, and the feeling of not wanting to look up or look into the face of another. Okay, so a place where you might feel exposed. So if you imagine um, um, coming face to face with something that is not nice to look at, it's almost like you kind of shy your face away from it. And so there's a feeling in the the therapeutic space of the person almost like wanting to pull away but also not make eye contact, not not feel like you can look another person in the face. So it's a very isolating emotion. Um, And that is why it is so difficult, is because when we feel ashamed, we tend to be alone. You know, we tend to isolate ourselves. Um, And so one will generally feel it as a deep, like, like visceral feeling. You might also feel a sense of unworthiness. It does also have links to, obviously, depression, to hopelessness. Um, All those things are probably kind of birthed out of that same place. But often people will describe shame as as first in their bodies. Um, So, yeah, with that, yeah. Uh, How would you
0: differentiate between shame and guilt?
1: All right, so like we said earlier, guilt is is feeling bad for doing, right? So it's normally something that we've done, an action we've taken, a behavior, a thought, but it's usually got a discernible origin, okay? So it's normally like this particular thing that we are currently doing or have done has a feeling, a negative feeling attached to it where we feel like we've done something wrong. So there can be feelings of regret, remorse, uh, kind of disappointment, Those sorts of family or feelings are attached to a thing. So it's normally a discernible event or situation, behavior, you know, that sort of thing. Whereas shame is often very much more, um, it doesn't have have a, a specific place. It's like you can't say it's about this thing. It's about me. Okay, so it's on the inside. We experience shame very much on the inside of our skin. It's like we, we are the problem. I am the problem. There's something wrong with me, okay? Not with what I have done, but that I am fatally flawed. I am worthless. I'm not good enough. I'm not valuable. I'm unclean. I'm unworthy. But it's on the inside of our skin. That's very much where guilt, we can usually align with something, an event, something that's happened. Whereas shame is on the inside of our skin. And again, why it's so difficult to deal with, okay? Because it's very much experienced on the inside of us. So not easy to point out where exactly it's come from. So it's sort of like quite a permeating feeling. It just permeates our whole world because it doesn't have a distinct origin. So, if
0: those are quite distinct uh, aspects that we can feel. Firstly, how would you uh, advise or lead someone who is experiencing guilt?
1: Okay, so because of the fact that guilt has an origin, you can normally locate where it has come from. I would say that the first process there is really to acknowledge it, right? To acknowledge that something about that wasn't okay, alright, and made you feel not okay, alright? So there's a, there's first acknowledge it, then obviously because we are believers, our next step is to take it to the Lord. To go, God, I recognize that here is a problem. This thing isn't great. I'm feeling like there's something wrong with something I'm doing, a thought pattern, a behavior, a situation that I'm in, something feels wrong, and taking it to him and submitting it to him, okay? And then once we are submitted, we've submitted it to him, sometimes he will then give us the next step, and then it's obey the next step, right? So that is generally how it works, is that there will be a sense of a next step. Um, if you are finding that in your relationship with the Lord you almost can't go to him, then, then I would say look for and trust in someone. Someone that what you know can can bring you to the cross. Someone who can bring you to Jesus and can stand in the gap for you. And so, so if you are feeling like you've done something wrong, it's a thing that you've done wrong or a behaviour or a situation that's wrong, and you feel like you can't go to God with it, we can confess to a friend, to someone that we can trust, and they will then journey with us. In terms of because sometimes when we in a hard space we sometimes find it easier to relate to a human. Rather than to the Lord, okay? It can sometimes feel a bit abstract and removed, okay? So, but the first step would just even acknowledge that it's there, okay? Because we tend to want to ignore it. So we tend to just deny it, not want to think about the thing that's making us feel like we've done the wrong thing. But first acknowledge it, then take to the Lord or a trusted person, and then submit in obedience to whatever the the, the needed outcome or the needed reparation is, and (laughs) that's it. Okay, so that would be. Yeah, so that is that is the that is the logical that is the logical thing to say as well. Is so, um, obviously when I say taking it to the Lord, I mean asking for forgiveness for that thing. So I'm not. Uh, I'm say I didn't actually say that in those words. So then, thank you for pointing that out. That but that's helpful. I'm like take it to Jesus. Like clearly that's what I mean. But uh, but sorry, I didn't actually make that very clear. So when I say take it to Jesus, take it to him, acknowledge it in front of him, confess it to him, ask for forgiveness. Um, and like I say, it's a finished work of the cross. So when we ask Him for forgiveness, it's done. It's a done thing, you know. And then we receive the forgiveness, and we walk in obedience with that, and we align ourselves with that truth uh, when when forgiveness is received.
0: So also, just with this aspect of forgiveness, it is really important to realize that asking for forgiveness or and receiving forgiveness is not an emotion. Sometimes we wait until we feel bad, or we feel guilty, or, um, or something. Our emotions are too much. But asking forgiveness is a choice. It is a decision that we made, and, and as Trish said, the aspect of obeying the Lord. In obedience, we say, Lord, please forgive me for... And it is a transactional thing that then will often affect our emotions. But we don't listen to our emotions first as to whether to ask forgiveness and whether we receive forgiveness. So sometimes the devil, the enemy, wants to make us feel and continue to make us feel condemned and guilty (coughs) And we don't feel forgiven. And so then we don't walk in that forgiveness. And it then goes to shame. Then we start to walk in shame. But it is by faith that we receive that forgiveness. And the same goes where something has been done to us. We need to forgive. We need to forgive that person and give it to God and release them. And again, forgiving them. And and we can feel guilt because of something that someone else has done to us. And it's not something we have done. Although the enemy will often come and put it on you and make you believe that you are guilty. That you asked for this abuse to happen to you. That you... Put yourself in the place that you suggested it, and often when someone experiences guilt, that is what the perpetrator will put on us. Uh, and and yet, that is not the truth. And as you forgive the other person, it is a choice to forgive them. You may not feel like it at all, but as you release forgiveness, you are the one that's set free. Yes. Amen. You are the one that is set free as you forgive them. They are doing their merry business, but you are bound by bitterness and anger and resentment. And as you forgive them, you are the one that is set free. As they are released, they are released in the spirit realm, but it impacts you first and foremost. Uh, Trish, just in terms of dealing with shame... How how then do we look or have the Lord help us with shame?
1: So one of the, the things with shame is that it is something that doesn't want, it makes us not want to look upon it. Okay, so we turn away, we turn our faces away. So one of the things that we recommend as a starting point when you're dealing with shame is to actually just be curious about it. So just to open the possibility, I wonder why I'm feeling this feeling of shame. So we just start to even open up the possibility of engaging with this feeling, right? Because a lot of the power of shame is in the fact that it is in darkness. It's the fact that it keeps us isolated and in darkness. And so in opening our minds to just look at it with curiosity, so just to kind of go, I wonder why I'm feeling this way. Okay. it just opens the possibility of us having a conversation about this particular thing, okay, and starting to explore it. But very often it looks very big from the outside. And so we actually almost can't go there. And it's a little bit like um, it's a little bit like when you walk into now. I was poop scared of the dark when I was little. Okay, I was right through until I was a nurse. And then when I was doing night shift I finally wasn't scared of the dark anymore because I had to do night shift and learn how to live at night. Okay. So so but, but I remember the feeling When I walked into the room, there was this feeling of, like, there was so big an unknown thing in the dark, okay, that I didn't know what to do, and I was terrified. And shame is a bit like that. It's this very big feeling that's in the dark, and it's so big, you don't really know its parameters. You don't know how big it is, how fierce it is, how terrible it is, how dangerous it is, okay? And so what we really want to do is just kind of switch the lights on and kind of go, well, let's look at it and see, let's think about it. Let's look at it, let's see what it's about. And very often when you've done that, All of a sudden it doesn't look quite so scary anymore, okay? So that is really the first step, is kind of just looking at it curiously, right? Then in in our case as believers, in terms of the context of what we've spoken, spoken about, then there is the walking out what we know to be true. Okay? And that is that my shame does not have to separate me from the Father. Okay? And that is now a walking step by step obedience thing. Okay? And it is hard. It is hard to do that. Okay? And one of the ways that we work through that is that we talk about the fact that shame dies when stories are told in safe places. Okay? And so tell your story to your God. Tell your story to someone. Okay? And that when we start to tell the story, it's like that light switch going on. And it becomes a little bit less scary, a little bit less overwhelming. And we start to be able to work with it in a tangible way. When we keep it in the dark and when we keep it isolated from us and separate from us because it's too frightening, we can't work with it in a tangible way. It just has a lot of power. okay? And so that is what we are looking at doing there. So it's it's obviously first look at it curiously, start to peek into the room, start asking the question about it. Then we want to flick on some lights. Okay? And we want to talk to Jesus about it, talk to people about it, talk to someone. And you'll realize that as you do that, the power starts to dissipate. Okay, And very often, people will talk about the fact that sin that has held them in a place of deep, deep shame, as soon as it's disclosed, this thing just lifts. And I think it's a spiritual transaction. And we have to trust that. We have to trust that when we confess something, that he is faithful and he removes that thing from us. Okay, And as he removes that sin... And as he removes the consequence of that sin, that shame can start to just go, and we can breathe, okay? And so there's also an obedience aspect there to the right. You've told me I'm forgiven. You've told me that there is no shame, okay? And then we walk that thing out slowly but surely as well. But it is going to be a journey, and I would say you're going to need support for that journey, okay? Like, we don't walk away from it often. God can. Sometimes he does. It's just a miraculous transaction, and we walk away absolutely fine. But for a lot of people, it's a walking out. It's a working through. Okay, and so I would encourage you as well to get support on that journey as you work this thing through.
0: So I think that one of the key elements is walking in community or walking with someone. And it's by no accident that God puts us into spiritual family, into communities where we can walk together with similar values that offer that safety, offer those those spaces of um, of vulnerability and safe places, and uh, within within spiritual within spirit or the value of spiritual family, where where that is offered, um, and and so would encourage you. It is a risk. It is a risk to speak, but it's that switching the light on. And in in all my years of our pastoring, it has been phenomenal how the power of something over someone's life, over my own life, as I have dared to tell someone, even like there's sometimes there's some things and I like do I tell my husband, I'm embarrassed about this thing. And as I just tell him, it's just like, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. It doesn't hold that power to, to shame you, to make you feel guilty anymore, and to, to say, I'm going to be willing to step out and to do that. Um, Trish, just, just how does it look? to be someone who others, another person could look at and say, I feel like they're a safe person.
1: What does that look like? Okay, so I always say to my team when I'm training up our counselors, when they come through this sort of training and stuff, is that the safest person I can put in a room, as a counselor, is a person who knows themselves, okay? I don't need you to be a certain type of person, I need you to be a person who knows yourself okay because when you know yourself you are not a victim of your own blind spots and triggers and biases and prejudices which will come to visit and come to roost in a relationship right and so I would say that the most important journey that you can go on if you have a heart to be a safe place for people is to really go to God and go Lord help me know myself better Help me to bring these areas of my life under submission. Help me to work through my stuff successfully so that when someone comes here, I'm not a triggered person, okay? I'm not a reactive person, okay? And very often we tend to be reactive and triggered because there are things that we have undealt with and we look at people through the lens of our own pain, our own suffering, our own wounds, okay, our own upbringing, the way in which we've been raised, okay. And so we need to really start to take those lenses off and we need to start recognizing what lenses we're wearing, okay, in the first place and start to actually really get to know ourselves better because that makes us safe people, okay. So safe people are generally people know each other well so that's the one thing the other thing is i would i would recommend that you go and you say to the lord and i would say take take a week or two and just be like god i want you to teach me grace i want you to teach me what grace looks like because if i understand and know what grace feels like i can extend it and i can extend it well okay but i have got to know what grace looks like and feels like okay. I have to have accepted grace. I have to have accepted forgiveness. I have to have accepted His sacrifice on my behalf, mm-hmm. and recognized that. But for the grace of God, go I. Mm-hmm. Right, okay. Yeah. Because as soon as I recognize how how very 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 human I am, and how very very much I need grace, there is very little another person can say to me that seems that bad.
2: Okay, all
1: right. So I would say that's a really important one. So first, you get to know yourself. Secondly, start to look at at, at understanding grace really, really well. So those are the two kind of key things I would say as a starting point.
0: That's really good. think I think that part of knowing yourself Is also looking at your context within which you live and your lenses let's say our lenses how we look at our world what is what are your lenses around your culture included in that so in some of our cultures like my english culture it is Taboo to show emotion Mm -hmm. It's taboo generally to um, To confess to weakness and to be weak and So how do I as an English person? How do I perceive when someone's coming and being weak in front of me? in some of our cultures there is an aspect that I, my family, my parents are not meant to know anything about relationships with the opposite sex until I come to them with the Ebola negotiations. And so I can't go to my mother where I'm battling with an unhealthy relationship with a boy. In fact, I can't go to any mother figures in my life because I'm not meant to speak to mothers and fathers about relationships. And is that God's heart for you, that you wrestle that alone? So looking at it, looking at knowing yourself, knowing your culture, saying that is not how God has spoken to me that God has put mothers around me, that God has made us human, and it is a sign of strength to be willing to admit weakness as an English person. And so to look at our, look at the lenses with which we think about guilt and shame as well, and say, God, show me what are you saying about how to walk that.
1: Yeah. Can I just say something, on that note? something that I've, I've, I've really felt over the past couple of months, in particular, is just the sense of like, for us as believers, like God has called us to be cycle breakers. Yeah. Yeah. He's called us to be like black like norm shifters. Yeah. Like we we need to acknowledge, and it talks about the fact that we are ambassadors of Christ. Okay? So you know, people for a, like for an embassy, they take like random public holidays. they take American public holidays if they're an American embassy, even though they're here in South Africa okay All right but they also take South African holidays but that's not the point. The point is that the rules apply that belong to somewhere else okay And we we are kingdom citizens. That means the rules by which we live as believers are his rules, they kingdom rules. And that means that for every single one of us there's a cycle breaking mandate yeah, sure. over our lives a enormous shifting call for us as believers and if you look at jesus he was revolutionary like he was really was you know like and yeah. all of his followers also were you know and so for us even though kind of christianity has had it's kind of been like the the dominant religion for such a long time for those of us who are submitted and have made him lord over our lives like we've got to live by kingdom rules, shift mm. systems, shift norms, mm. shift cycles, break mm. those cycles, decide that they stop with us, okay? Mm. And I do these talks and I've had a number of African families say to me, but this is not our way. We can't talk to our children about these things. And my answer to them is like, but they're God's children. <laughs> and that means that we, and it's the same, British families struggle to have conversations with their kids about tough stuff, right? Okay. Same, same. And they can be like, oh, no, we don't talk that. It. It's, not, it's, not, it's not appropriate. All right? Definitely. And same. Shift. Shift. Because why? Because they're God's kids. You know? And we parent them and shepherd them accordingly. And we break the cycles that we've been born into because we are born again into the kingdom of heaven. Thank you. Thank you. so yeah. Thank you so much. Thanks, <laughs> LaFont. Thank <you. laughs>
0: um, I uh, just a little comment Trish that Trish is saying here that um, is is reminding me of something she said. Trish just uh, the aspect of that when how when we have been parented where our parents have used guilt and shame as their tools to make you obey them we are more prone to Operate and to take on guilt and shame very quickly. So, firstly, parents do not use guilt and shame to parent your children. It is using their enemy's tools. And secondly, that you look at how were you parented, and does that predispose you to go into guilt, go into shame, very quickly, uh, uh, default into that space because of the parenting. I want to just give one or two um, moments, as I said I would, for questions from the floor. Isla, do you uh, have a question? Uh, no, it's actually not a question, but
3: about what you just said,
0: when parents put the school... Hang on, do you mind just, because yeah. we want to capture it.
3: Uh, no, I was sitting out outside, and I was thinking about the whole thing of shame, and also, what, what really hit me when you said, in Genesis one, God never stepped away, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. He kept those, those channels open. Mm. And I suddenly realized, although um, I've got, I've experienced so much freedom over the years, and I thought, what is it that I can still walk in certain situations, especially when I go back where I meet people from way back that I suddenly feel like I want to hide and I realize it's it's a shame and then God showed me that that is a generational curse Mm -hmm. and it made me look at it and and recognize it and say well now I think it's time to finish that and close the door. Yeah. Thank Ursula, can you just stay up here
0: quickly? Thank you. Lucinda. can you just put up the slide quickly? I just We we are going to ha- ask for a question or two from the floor. But Ursula, just just come stand here. Mm-hmm. Um, not that one, Lucinda. the other one about SOZO. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I just want to highlight uh, for you today that... As a church, as a, a spiritual family, we offer uh, the space for you to have what is called a sozo, which is which means saved, healed and delivered. And I'm asking Ursula to stand to stay up here because she heads up our sozo ministry. And we would really invite you to when we say book a sozo it's not meaning that you are then saying i want to come at this date or that date you are saying to ursula please i would like to have a sozo can we engage and then we will we will make a plan with you to book a time and a sozo is really a time of coming before god and allowing him to show you with the help of of, uh, two facilitators where where you are needing some some releasing forgiveness, receiving forgiveness, where there have been wounds and lies that you have believed and are walking in. And so we would encourage you, strongly encourage you, to uh, email Ursula to make a plan to have some Sozo time. And it's almost like it's, it's like a starting space, and and from there, where if there's counselling needed, etc., then it can go on from there. But this is like we start with God speaking to you, and and so we wanted to to let you know that our Soza Ministry is a powerful space uh, where many people have have received freedom and breakthrough in their lives. So thank you. Is there anyone who has a question that you would like? To put to trust in.
2: So, my mother's a comment because she has asked a few I don't have it.
4: There are many households where shame is a virtue. Shame is how you show that you're a good person. Mm-hmm. Shame is how you show that you respect your family and you're actually told, I will you. And then when you want to reveal this shame, you start feeling guilty. When you, start, when you want to start addressing certain things, you start feeling guilty. And because you start feeling guilty, you feel like it's wrong. because you have been conditioned to think that shame is not only okay, but it's the right thing to do. And I want you to think about it in your own language. Because it's nice and good when you say shame. a nice cute little English word and you put it there. And then there comes all these overwhelming feelings because it's huge, it's outside of you. You start feeling helpless in the midst of it, right? But it's true. And sometimes it can feel like you're drowning in it. When you're looking at what's happening at home, you're a Christian, your husband is doing one thing, you know it's not right, your in-laws are telling you it's shameful for you to talk about it. You go to your mother, she says it's shameful. Or you've seen your mother go through it, she tried talking about it, and they were told that it's shameful. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So this is what we're talking about.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And this is where freedom comes in. Mm-hmm. We see we see David says I was conceived in sin and sin. My mother bore me in sin.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: And then he's the same person who says you you will you with me in my mother's womb. And fearfully and wonderfully made so this shame doesn't define who you are and this is why we need and we're talking about gaining this freedom knowing that you are loved you are accepted remember the stuff that um trish started with that's the truth you need to be living in so when you talk about Sozo. It is actually a tool to help us know what truth is and what in that freedom. And here's the funny thing about shame and guilt. You know there's something wrong, but you feel helpless to get out of it. So if you're living in this constant <clears throat> tension, The one day you're like, I'm going to do it, I'm going to tell him. Or I'm going to tell Pastor Jenny. Or I'm going to tell Oni. You look at Oni, you're like, hey. Eh. <laughs> is she going to understand? And just the thought of opening it up, you're like, who am I going to be after all of that?
2: Yeah.
4: But remember, David said, "I was conceived in sin," and then he says, "I'm fearfully and wonderfully made."
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So there's truth on the other side,
2: mm-hmm.
4: and freedom, mm-hmm. and a life worth living.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Say, anyone else would like has a question? You can bring Shaka. He's quiet right now. <laughs> it's beautiful. Hello. Hi.
5: I know I've been a little bit in and out, but I was catching most of the points. Um, so I think a question that I have been asking myself, and I think I'm going to answer myself as well, was that often times the the talk of like redemption and love and forgiveness is, is quite like prominent, like we know it, it's in all the gospel songs. But one of the things that we don't really talk about is kind of like the consequences of sin, you know what I mean? That like if there's infidelity, you have that risk of losing your partner. You know what I mean, and that might happen. And yes, there will be restoration, but there is that kind of hurt, that that consequence of sin. You see, so I, I guess that was something I was kind of struggling with. It was kind of like, okay, the forgiveness has kind of happened. I know God is going to restore, but there is kind of a change that has happened. So I guess my question would be, how do you kind of deal with that, and how do you kind of um, change your perspective on, you know, kind of what has happened, and. Um, kind of while I was sitting at the back there, and then you said, I don't remember what you mentioned, but it kind of triggered um, the verse in Revelation. I'm not sure where it is, but it says, And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony, and they loved their lives even unto them. And I thought to myself, okay, the death part. Because the first two parts are quite straightforward, you know, it's like, um, okay, the blood of Jesus is going to cover my sins, cool. The second part, the word of my testimony, okay, you spoke about that, you mentioned that, how. Then I was like, death, and I was like, okay. Is that like dying to my idea of what I thought things should have been like, you know what I mean? Or how things should have been, you know what I mean? And allowing God to actually write the story, like in that song that you're in. So, I asked the question and kind of got the answer, but I thought maybe you could more light on that. I think you answered beautifully. I don't know if I get anything extra there. I think that was like a, like a just preach, mind drop.
1: For um, sure. Yeah, no. So I mean, I think I think consequences are are a different thing. What I would say to you though is, when I see consequences in scripture, I would say that shame is not one of those. Right. So let's just keep that as a separate issue. Um, so shame, and I think Aune has touched on that. It's almost like that's an appropriate consequence. You know, like I should live with that feeling because of something I've done. Um, and I don't see that in Scripture. Yeah. Okay? I don't see that in Scripture. Consequences are often quite like time specific. So God gives me, there's a very specific time to it. And He, oh, he actually, number of times, the Scripture reverses them. You, yeah. know, like, you know what I mean? Like, So God also does His own thing when it comes to consequences. But what I would say is, is don't let anyone lump shame in as an appropriate consequence that is not a that's not a biblical that's not a biblical thing
0: so so good i i think i would want to add though as well is that god speaks that he walks with us through the consequences that we do experience consequences Um, often we make choices and there are consequences Um, There's a little person that is being born into the world. Does that mean that that little person doesn't have a plan and a calling from the Lord? No. God, he writes your story with that little person. And that is God's best plan. His redemption plan is the best plan that he's got for you from that space onwards, from that redemption space onwards. And that little person is the incredible blessing that God brings out of what you could be feeling such guilt and shame for, and the blessing that that comes out of that. And, and God is powerful to rewrite our stories, In incredible ways, where it's been so, we felt so defiled, where there's been, um, there's been so much that's gone. Um, I, and, and God brings just such life out of that. Um, And, and there are numerous stories of, of how God has done that. Um, I'm, I'm thinking of, of a woman who is, who, who often is on the U Version story of the day? Um, I don't know if you do. You, you know about the U Version Bible app, and there's the story of the day. There's one of the ladies that speak there, and she has. She is a a very powerful speaker. She is a minister today, a powerful speaker. She speaks with such authority into brokenness in life, and I haven't even heard a lot a lot from her. But her story is that she was so abused (coughs) as a child, she was locked in a cupboard for most of her childhood. And the pain and the difficulty of what she's gone through (coughs) and the consequences that came from that, but yet how God has redeemed her life, and that was something that was done to her by a mother who was uh, very mentally unstable. But yet today, she is a minister of the gospel. She brings life and light to people who have experienced abuse in a way that other people can't. Because she was able, has been able to walk free of um, the anger and the hatred and all the stuff that, that she must have felt um, from what she experienced as, as a child. And that is our God. He is an incredible redeemer. I I am thinking that we perhaps uh, have have done what we need to do. (laughs) I'm I'm not sure about yes, if if someone would like to ask. So what I'm saying is is that we maybe don't chat in our small groups any further, unless you would like to. Um, But Emma, do you want to ask a question? Please. I'm, I'm asking you to come up here so that we can capture it. Yeah.
3: I hope my vulnerability is going to set someone else free as well. So, one of the things that I found with shame and guilt is that it stops me from walking in the calling that God has for me. Mm -hmm. And every time I go higher and higher with Him, it's like my past comes back and reminds me, "This is who you are," or tries to remind me, "This is who you are." And then I want to quit. So how do you shoot that pump?
1: So this is the first thing. <laughs> okay? Like we said, shame dies when stories are told in safe places. Yeah. And you are bringing this to the light. Okay? Yeah. So that's a really great thing. So well done for doing that. That's amazing. Um, and, and yeah, but, but in terms of that, what 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 it holds true is that this is the type of situation where one holds deeply, strongly, like with every fiber of your being, even if it's a pinky finger, okay, mm-hmm. to the truth of Scripture, to the truth of God's word, okay. And so there's that scripture in the Bible that talks about taking every thought captive the man mm-hmm. and making it obedient to Christ, okay. And that is the process, and that is often the hard part of the journey, is in our heads okay, it's in our heads, that's often Satan's favorite weapon, Mm -hmm. is to play in our mind, Mm -hmm. okay, and so if we can hold true to what we know in scripture, and if that means you stick it on your door, you put it on your mirror, you put it around your bedroom, you write it on your arm, you put it on your phone, okay, and you make sure that you are pouring scripture and truth, biblical truth, over yourself, and holding to those things, And then that, the other thing I would say is also to get someone alongside you. Get someone alongside you because the battle can be fierce on your own, okay? When we're fighting, when we're fighting a mindset, when we're fighting a thing that is, 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 is is like kicking our butts, you know, in our heads, it's really helpful to have someone join the fray, okay? And actually fight on our behalves, okay? So we see that with, um with Moses, when they lifted up his arms, every time his arms dropped, the battle started to turn, and then they held his arms up, and so there's a biblical truth in walking closely in the community, where someone can hold up our arms when we're tired, okay, and someone can fight on our behalf, stand in the gap for us, okay, and so I would say one of the other big things is to really get people alongside you on that journey, um, because when you're alone, it's a hard fight to fight alone. And it's something that I would say, you are are going to have to stop. You are going to have to rest. You are going to have to sometimes let it win. But when you've got people alongside you, they're going to hold you up when you can't.
3: Okay?
1: And so that's how I would tackle that. So well done for talking about it at all. That is amazing. And incredibly fun.
3: Now, he's been talking about forgiveness earlier and it's a choice that we make. That's quite clear in my mind. But what do you say to people that come to you mm-hmm. when they say, But I've forgiven them? And this issue keeps on rearing its head and then God forgive them again? Mm-hmm. Or God bless them? Or you know, these questions I think are very real, and I know that sometimes in a so situation it talks about it, but what is the actual art working practically to walk out, or do you just remind yourself, I've done this? You know, one of the things that I've done is to speak blessing over that person so that I don't hold them. But I'm just interested from a psychological point of view. Yeah, sure. Thank
1: you. Okay, so I think one of the most helpful explanations I've heard around this particular issue is really around looking at it as biblical forgiveness right which is commanded in scripture okay and and the best definition I've heard of that is treating someone as as valuable and valued and giving up the right for revenge mm-hmm. right? so that's a biblical definition of forgiveness but the, and that is something that we do in obedience to God okay but then there is emotional forgiveness okay so yeah and that's on the inside of our skin and the reason we do that journey is because for our own good okay that is because god wants us to be free on the inside because it's harmful to us you've heard that saying where they say like unforgiveness is like swallowing poison and hoping the other person will die okay um and so essentially that's what that emotional forgiveness process is it happens on the inside of our skin and there are a few kind of processes that we can go through there that are helpful so one of them is to create some sort of a process for yourself to work through the hurt so that can look like writing a letter, it can look like journaling, it can look like a painting, it can look like um, making some sort of, like you cut out words and stick them on a page, whatever, but some sort of a way of telling the story, putting the story out into the world, so processing the story, okay, and the, the, the what led to the hurt and what led to the situation, okay, and then sometimes there is a sort of a... Um, a memorial process that we need to do okay and i love the notion of memorials because actually in scripture we see lots of them you know they build an altar in different places like where something big goes down they build something you know like and then they take like like rocks into a river you know like no one's ever going to see them but but god wanted them to commemorate in very physical tangible ways big moments in their lives and so i would say then once we've done that you want to look for a kind of a memorial process that you can do a a symbolic thing that you can do to put this thing to death Mm -hmm. putting it letting go of it and people have done different things. Um, I had, um, I've had clients who've um, chosen to go to the beach, you know, and write in the sand. And the waves come and wash away the different things as they write them. You know, I've had people go up to the mountains and use a lighter to burn the paper that had all the different things and watch the pieces blow away on the mountaintop. I've had people bury the letter or the painting or the the picture, you know, I've had people, um, I've had people just kind of go out into the garden and burn it and give it over to God, you know, Um, and so there's a memorial process that I think can be quite a good end point for us, because often what, the reason we're struggling with that emotional unforgiveness is because of the fact that there's no ending, there's no closure, you know, it's a lot easier to forgive when someone says sorry, you know, but when there's not that, you know, and it's almost like we need that closure, so we sometimes have to create opportunities for that closure, okay? So I would say that those are good things. The other thing that you can do, and it's not always possible, but sometimes your process actually demands of you that you actually try to work it out with the person okay so for some people it looks like working it through with the person what I would just say in terms of my experience there is that that person may or may not be amenable to that okay so if it's a if it's a relationship so say for example myself and Jenny had a falling out I could And I'm still struggling. She probably wouldn't even know that I'm struggling because most of the time the other person, the perpetrator, the offender often doesn't even know that they've done something wrong. So me, I could go to Jenny because she has the emotional intelligence and we would have the relationship to do that, okay? But I wouldn't necessarily be able to go to a person that I don't have a relationship with or who doesn't have the the emotional insight to even recognize or acknowledge that they've done wrong. In which case, it's a little bit of a pointless exercise. You know, and then probably going to lead to more hurt on your side. So if you do feel like that is necessary, just take some time to think it through about whether or not the person on the other side of this transaction is amenable to that. Okay. And if they are not amenable to it, you need to find that memorial process for closure. Because for you to wait on them is probably a never-ending goal. You know, it's a kind of a permanent thing that will never really resolve. Because very often people who've done horrific things to us, are very broken humans
2: yeah.
1: right? and we're kind of hoping that at some point they're going to feel some sort of remorse or regret for what's happened but very often they don't and that's how they got there in the first place how they did the things they did was because they didn't feel that okay so I would just say that even in some instances it is possible you know, sometimes with a parent or whatever it can be possible to do that um, or a sibling um, but I would say even then some parents lack the insights to ever acknowledge that they were wrong, and they don't have the ability to in that situation. In which case, forgiveness happens on the inside of you, between you and Jesus, for your good. Yeah. And that's what it's for. It's yeah. for your good. <laughs> good. You.
0: Um, sorry, us. Talks. Were you not sure? Um, so... <laughs>
6: Um, something that was very helpful to me um, many years ago and God just reminded me of the scripture today while well, we're talking about shame, guilt Romans 8 verse 1 it says there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus that's not an excuse to go and sin Mm. what that is, is grace from heaven saying, I don't see you as guilty. You've given it to me. I don't see you as guilty. I'm not condemning you. I'm not shaming you. I'm not looking at you as if you're not good enough. As far as I'm concerned, you're perfect. Mm -hmm. Why? Because when God looks at you, He looks at you through the lens of Jesus. He doesn't look at you through the lens of, talks or through the lens of Jenny or through the lens of Trish or through the lens of your husband or anyone else when he looks at you he looks at you through the lens of Jesus because that is what Jesus did mm-hmm. he took that shame on the cross he took that shame and even if the shame has happened after you've accepted Jesus and after you whatever whatever and you're still being you still being The enemy is still bringing that shame to remind you there is no condemnation to those who are in Jesus. Are you in Jesus as God's child? Yes. Therefore, don't accept that condemnation. When the enemy comes, just say, no, there is no condemnation. I'm God's child. There is no condemnation.
1: There's a really, really um, kind of very, uh, kind of real but very helpful analogy that I often use for people when it comes to this type of thing. And that is that if you imagine someone vomits in your hands. Oh, okay? <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> someone vomits in your hands, okay? You have a choice in that moment to swallow it. Or to chuck it, because it's not yours. Okay, right? And in this situation, it's very much the same. When Satan vomits in your hands, you can swallow it. You can identify with it, take it as your own, take it in, or you can go. That's not mine.
0: And, what does Satan look like? It could be your husband, yeah. it could be, no, 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 okay, sorry, <laughs> still looking at me and going, no, no, go. sorry, 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 let me,
1: my just went south. Okay, we will
0: delete that off the video, right <laughs> So what does it look like? It could be where your husband inadvertently says something that the devil's using to shame you. Yeah. Okay, is that better? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it is not your husband, but it, the enemy, the devil, Will he can come and bring thoughts to your mind, but it can come through well-meaning friends. It could come through um, a, a, a parents. Um, who is speaking stuff and they're vomiting in your hand? Or the devil, the enemy is vomiting in your hand. But he's using someone who's upset or who is broken and hurt and wounded in your life. And you choose do you still, do you swallow that vomit because you respect the father who just, the enemy just used to vomit to you? Because you respect the father figure that he is. Or do you recognize it as coming, this is not what God says. And you chuck it. Mm -hmm. So separating. Sometimes we've got to separate who this person is and sometimes what they do to you or say to you. Or even a situation, it can be a situation, not necessarily a person as well. Okay. Any other?
3: It can also sometimes be a dearly loved Christian.
0: It can sometimes be a dearly loved Christian. It can be a pastor. It can be someone, a psychologist. It could be the worship leader. It could be the person who welcomes you at the door. (laughs) It could be the person sitting next to you. It is true, Zina. And we need to be, Lord, is this vomit from the enemy? I don't think the Lord vomits in our hands ever. Yeah. Okay. Is it him, his truth, or is this coming from the enemy? Yeah. Um, and sometimes, and that's part of what happens with Sozo. Come, Faith. Um, part of what can happen with Sozo is that sometimes... Um, We are believing lies, but the enemy is telling us that they're truths. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But they're not truths according to the Bible. They are truths according to your upbringing or according to what you've always been told, the lenses that you've had. And in Sosa we say, Lord, show us what are the lies we believe in and replace it with the truth that that comes from him. Faith.
7: (laughs) So I feel sometimes being part of, okay, being a young lady, The uh, lying struggles that you face as a young woman, trying to, you know, figure out your own life, and um, learning how to be an adult, you know, and you, you, you find yourself looking for comfort mm-hmm. in things that you know um, aren't modeling or per se representing Christ because mm-hmm. of all these. Underlying things that you have to go through in secret, trying to, you know, um, figure yourself out as a young woman, trying to study, make it work, and you find yourself, um, yeah, finding comfort. So I just wanted to ask, how, 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 how do, we, how do you become or live amongst the world where you know you're young? you vibrant and there's so many young people doing so many things and not feel influenced, left behind, um mm-hmm. or um boring in some sorts I, I don't know how to explain it, but how do you say, Lord, I stand for you? and um, regardless, irregardless of all these things going on around me, regardless of me seeing these young people going out there, living their lives, how do I stand firm mm-hmm. in God and say, Lord, I, I can see it, but I'm not going to fall for this temptation. I'm not going to find comfort in these things. I'm not going to let these certain things distract me because I found myself struggling a lot, you know, reaching out to God, but seeing that your life, it's a lot. And, you know, you're gonna go and do this, and go and and you know it might not be the right thing to do, but it's just you just find yourself gravitating because it's easier and it be, because it feels better, you know. Sometimes it feels better than kneeling down on your knees and praying. Sometimes it feels better than dragging your Bible and and reading it and letting God speak to you, you know. Because you find so much it's easier and it's more comfortable. So I just wanted to ask how. How do you go about being a young woman in such a world? How do you go about being a young Christian woman and standing firm for God when there's so much going on, especially in varsity environments and other school environments, for example?
0: Well done for being so brave, I think that. You are speaking for lots, lots of young people. And I, I believe there are several aspects, but first of all, just holding daily yourself to Jesus and walking, walking and reminding yourself every day it's not just a temptation that students at varsity yeah. or school experience, but all of us every day, yeah, the enemy wants to pull us away from walking and holding on to Jesus and the things that he shows us. And if we we have to choose, do we read and follow, read our Bible and have our convictions strengthened and built, or do we not? And as we choose, each day is a victory that we choose to strengthen our convictions, rather than just let it go and be more vulnerable to the, the lies or the whispers of come join us, you're boring, you're less, But if we can go to our king and allow him to tell us that we are precious to him, that we are protected by him, and we let him be the, the one that's whispering in our ears the strongest, then it makes it easier to say no to the other whispers, the other voices that are coming. And then also just that you walk together and in spiritual family, that you be with other like-minded people who you can go and do fun things with, who you can talk to, who you can go to their room with, that you you make choices to be alone or to say, I'm going to stand with, and push into that. Mm -hmm. And as you decide to to build relationship, to yeah. value the relationships. And and I know quite a lot that I'm speaking to someone who's already made those choices. Yeah. Sure. You already walk that way, yeah. Okay? Yeah. I, I know. Yeah. But there are quite a lot that don't, and you are speaking for them as well, is making the choice. It does matter whether you join Connect Group or not. It does matter whether you come to church on a Sunday or not. It does matter whether you decide to go and watch movies with a friend on a Friday night, or hang, around, hang with one another in a room on a Friday night, which is the tempting night, or Saturday night when everyone else is going clubbing, or drinking, or whatever, that you plan ahead of time to do something that you're committed to with another friend that's not going to be that, Mm -hmm. but you've already got a plan so that Mm -hmm. when they say, come drinking with us, you can say, I'm sorry, I'm already already having fun somewhere else. You've made a plan ahead of time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Just
1: maybe two things I want to add. We have a saying in our house and, uh, and I said to both my kids, and they now say it to us as well, when we do things not well, and that is, whose job is perfect? Okay? And they all will say, it's Jesus' job, Mom. Okay? <laughs> right? okay? And our imperfection and our flaws is kind of the point. It's kind of why we need it. Right? And so when I am faced with my imperfection and my flaws and the ways I'm messing up, you know what i do i go yep that's the point <laughs> Poor <Pull> jesus close <laughs> hold him this side because like we were saying just now he sees us through his son he sees us through that lens through the lens of, of 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 jesus you know and so also one of the things that starts to happen and i see this very often in terms of people i work with christians i work with is that we mess up so we start to pull away from uh-huh. jesus because we're like i should somehow be doing this better okay and so therefore until i'm doing better, I'm sewing my fig leaves, yeah. okay, I'm going to sow my fig leaves and try and fix this myself, then I'm not going to come to him, when actually our imperfection and our flaws and our mistakes are the very moment that we go, yep, that's why, him, <laughs> okay, and we pull him even closer, so that's the first thing I'll say, the second thing is that it is very, very difficult for me to live married to my husband if I don't spend time with him and I don't know how. If I spend time with him and I know him, it's easy for me to be married, okay? And it's easier for me to live married. But if I never see him, if I have this strange husband who doesn't live here and that is in another province and I don't ever see him or whatever, it becomes very hard for me to live a married life, okay? And so our relationship with Jesus is like that. It's very hard for us to live a Jesus lifestyle when we're not in communion with him, when we're not in relationship with him. It's very difficult. And so one of the things that I learned to do quite early on, because like I said, I came saved when I was very little. So I walked through my whole teenage years, my past year, as a believer, and it can be a lonely thing. It can be a lonely place. And one of the things I learned to do was I used to have tea with Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. I used to make myself a cup of tea, and I used to curl up on the couch, and I'd just go, hey, Jesus, I'm just here. Okay, Just loving him, just connecting with him, being in relationship with him. Because he doesn't call me just to a lifestyle. He calls me to a relationship. Yeah. And the lifestyle comes as a product of the relationship. Yeah. If I'm in relationship with him, the lifestyle is a lot easier. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. So I would just encourage you to just keep on pushing in. Every time you notice your imperfections, pull in closer. Okay? And when you can't pray and you don't know how to be in relationship with him, make yourself a cup of coffee or tea, curl up on a couch and go, Hey, Jesus, I'm here. Just here to be by you. Okay? Because sometimes we can't get it right, but stay in relationship with him. And
8: that what makes the whole thing a lot easier. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Last <laughs> 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 I just wanted to add, just in line to that question, just having them come out of the vasty space. Um, It's just, we speak a lot about boundaries when it comes to relationships, but also when it comes to being in the world and not of the world, we also need boundaries there. And I think if you have decided when you're strong, (laughs) when you're feeling strong, these are my boundaries and these are absolute non-negotiables, these are places I'm not going to go, these are things I'm not going to do. It's so much, you you won't find yourself in situations where you can be tempted to do those things. So, like, for me, things that I did, I decided before I even set foot on campus, I wasn't going (laughs) to drink. There was, just for example, there were things that I decided before I was ever faced with the temptation. um, So that when those opportunities arose, I already knew I'm I'm not even going to go down that road. Um, And then also just practically, like, what does Jesus say about you? Like, who does he say that you are? Because when people tell you something different, you combat that with what he says about you. Um, and those verses that we heard earlier are like very useful in <laughs> those situations. Um, yeah, so just that you can be then speaking the truth against yeah. the
0: lies that, that you know are lies. Yeah. So good. So good. Thanks Rebecca. I also, I I think also in addition to what Rebecca's saying, the boundaries, it's just also sometimes when we're young people particularly, um, the fun that all the others are having sounds so fun. It And sounds so nice. But they don't tell you about the huge hectic hangover the next day they don't tell you how hard guilt is they don't tell you about the consequences that they are walking in they don't tell you about the venereal disease that they are battling with right now they don't tell you about the sleepless nights that they have with the flashbacks of the pornography that they are addicted to and having to go to all the time. They do not tell you about that. They only tell you about the fun, fun, fun and the lights. And if you will become enamored with the beauty and the amazingness and the peace and the life and the joy and the blessing of living like Jesus says, all of that temptation will pale into
1: insignificance okay i think the other thing that we must remember is i think of paul in scripture yeah. and you know he has that beautiful like, like monologue where he talks about but my body and my i want to do the right thing but i don't do the right thing and i try to do the right thing but i still keep on doing the wrong thing and it's like this and i i find that such a helpful thing to reflect on because yeah. i'm like man paul like, he was, like, if there's, like, a proper Christian, I feel like he was it, right? I mean, yeah. he had, like, he, had like he, he took, like, he took whipping for his faith. Like, he, he was proper, yet he still had this suit, yeah. yeah, you know, this human suit. Like, and I think that part of us being of the kingdom, but here on this earth, there is that wrestle. That is is there all the time so right now for you guys in varsity the wrestle is in that yeah. for us in terms of like me as a parent or as a wife my wrestle is in a different thing you know like but it's still the 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 ill fit of this suit on this earth okay my spirit has been changed i am new so yet my my body yeah. still remembers the old Okay, it remembers the flesh. It remembers this, this place as home, okay? Yeah. And so for all of us, that continues. So just to encourage you. Thank think it's encouragement. The battle continues, surprise. <laughs> 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 like, but, but to encourage you that it's not because you're not doing your faith right. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I think because we're doing our faith right, there's yeah. a struggle. Yeah. Like, and there's so this, this kind of like grappling with the sin and the flesh and the and the spirit. You know, yeah. like there is that that thing, and just constantly bringing it into submission yeah. is really the journey. And I think it probably will carry on right through until we're in glory. Yeah. You know, like because this suit will then be gone. Yeah. You know, the suit that I'm stuck in will then be, because like a fat suit. You know, like those suits. Like I don't know if you ever played those games where you like in a sumo suit. And you're like, it's r- super uncomfortable. You can't move right. And yeah. then you take it off and you feel like tons lighter. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what's going to feel like in heaven. It's going to feel tons lighter. It's like all the stuff that we've been dragging around is going to be gone. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to encourage you that actually just keep bringing it under submission. And actually it's not you doing your faith wrong. It's probably you doing it right. you yeah. yeah. your wrestling. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah.
9: <laughs> Last thing. <laughs> Sorry, I've been tiptoeing, but I'm not gonna ask questions anymore. I think there's been like brilliant questions asked and brilliant answers given, really empowering. Um, the thing that's been lingering in my heart, like since the time I jumped out in my seat, is just a feeling that God is wanting to say to us: be still, be still, and know that I am God. Mm-hmm be still. Sometimes we want to keep fighting. I want to fight to get it right. And sometimes the fight is just not there. You just don't have the strength on that day. And to just remember that God is saying, come here. It's like sitting with that cup of coffee. And God is saying, come, be still and know that I am God. You can just sit at my feet. And just listen. And just listen. And I promise you, God will have something to say to you that is particular for that day. And it will strengthen you for the next day, for the next month, for the next five years. And he's always there. Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. All three of them always collaborating. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. 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 Amen i I want us to I'm going to close in a moment, but I'm not closing. Uh, so when I say I'm not closing, we have on our um, our, our plan uh, a moment of ministry, moments of ministry. and we are opening up this space here um, if you for for prayer, if you would like someone to stand with you and we have gone, way longer with this, than we thought we would. <laughs> we, yeah. um, but I really believe that the Lord has used this space and, and it has been very significant. So if you would like ministry for prayer, I want to encourage you to take this opportunity and um, come to the front and we have uh, our minister, our ministers, our sozo ministers and our encounter team, uh, that are here and and uh our sozo ministry as well if you would like to reach out to to our sozo ministers and and ask arrange a time with a for a sozo with them um then to do that as well um and so we're gonna put uh, just put some music on in a moment and we're gonna um, release you and to come and receive ministry, but also uh, to go if you're needing to. But first of all, I want to just, before we do that, I just want to say, sorry, um, okay. um, Just want to give this to these to Trish and say thank you so, so much um, for, for being here with us this afternoon, Trish. Um, it's just really, a, a fantastic, been a fantastic time. Um, I'm getting indicators from the back. Do you want to come and say, Amun? <laughs> what is being given? Um, and so, just want to say thank you so much for uh, for your time and your giving in. And um, and also just mentioning and, and Robin, I'll just uh, as you're going. I know you guys are needing to leave, but just also is that we are we would like to release or give some resources, some names, numbers, etc. Um, resources to to you uh, that can empower you if you are needing to reach out if you're needing help. Um, Trish and I uh, are speaking and Trish is going to give them to, to us and we will be sending those to you um, I would say within the next week so that you can have um, some names some numbers some some ministry spaces etc that uh, if you would like to reach out to um, and, and like I say we as a church we we our heart our prayer is that we be a safe place and um, a safe place for us where you can come, where you can receive uh, prayer, receive counsel, receive ministry, have people walking with you, discipling you, discipleship, being discipled and following Jesus and walking your road. Um, and so so want to invite you to, to use that. Let's grow together to be more like Jesus. Amen. I'm going to ask Zina, would you mind just coming um, and closing. And then if you would like prayer, I want to invite you to come up and so, the ministers to do so. Wow,
3: that was amazing. <laughs> Thank you for your heart for us. This yes. overwhelming love. Thank you for being willing to listen in safe places and and we just give you so much adoration right now. We thank you for um, the work that you started in all of our hearts today. We just honor you for for meeting us where we are at. You're always here, but it's just and it's it's so good to to have the connection and the openness that we can share with one other, mm-hmm. these deep heart issues. Mm-hmm. And what well, I just pray for each of us as we go through the world that you would protect us on our journeys mm-hmm. and uh, to our homes as well as the journey that we are on with you and with each other. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I would also like
7: to pray that um,
3: those portions that we have received in our hearts
0: and minds and that we're all protected and yeah. nothing would steal in and yeah. everything would be protected mm-hmm. and that bubble wrap would come and wrap our hearts and minds mm-hmm. jesus name amen, amen. 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 And, and just um, the thing that Amu was, was signalling to me so strongly is that our amazing campus students are wanting to go to their campus conference. And they are raising funds to be able to do so by selling pre-loved clothes. And they have them set out down below in our, at our, on our prayer square. And so they are saying, please come and have a look. Come and support them. And um, I looked out the window a bit earlier, and I was like, "Ooh, there's some really nice clothes down there." Um, So please go and have a quick look. I know it's late already, but um, but go and and support them with that. Okay, bless you. Uh, Come up if you'd like. Pray.